Hi there. Welcome to the Human Nurture Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Brand, and this is an addendum to episode number 11. That episode featured Rob Fisher and was about somatic therapy, and I got that one out quickly because it seemed very pertinent to where we were at with the shelter-in-place and the coronavirus, which was just breaking out at that time. And it took me a while to catch up with Stan Tacken and get his take on the uh, Rob Fisher interview. So it's now June, and I talked to Stan this week, and here are his thoughts on the interview with Rob Fisher. Hello, Stan. How you doing, man? Hey, Jason. How are you? It's nice to see you over Zoom today. And, it's good um, to see you. Welcome to the somatic episode. This is the Human Nurture Podcast, and we're going, as you know, we're going through the 10 elements that make up the PACT approach to couples therapy, and you and I both listened to the Rob Fisher interview um, about somatic intervention and theory, and I wonder, how does somatic intervention and theory fit into PACT? Totally. Um, uh, like, uh, like Rob and, and um, Pat Ogden, uh, um, you know, we, we are counting on the body to tell us what's true. We're watching very closely on the smallest somatic reaction, blood flow, heart rate, breathing, uh, pupil size, eye movement, controls on the face, muscular tautness, looseness, um, anything and everything, vocal controls, um, um, e even... Uh, uh, linguistically, choice of words, coherence, collaborative speech, and, uh, de and deceptive languaging. So we have all these tools um, to, to try to study the, 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 the animals in front of us, um, and as well to work with our own bodies too, because, you know, right now with COVID, it's hard to say that we're in resonance with anybody because there is a physicality um, to physical proximity to be in that resonance area of, of being able to pick things up. Best we can do is visual and audio. So, um, so we're limited in, in terms of uh, working somatically, but, it's, but we still work in that way um, mm -hmm. unless people are doing things over the phone, which I, I think is, I, I wouldn't want to do that. Okay. And what, what did, what, let's talk about Rob Fisher in particular. Um, what did you find interesting about the interview? Well, first of all, I thought the interview was fabulous and I love Rob. Rob's, <laughs> Rob's voice and um, um, there's a childlike nature to Rob that I, I love and adore. Um, his curiosity, exploration, his patience, his kindness. Uh, it really comes across. And, you know, that's Rob Fisher, the person. Um, I, I, you know, agree. Uh, you know, we've been friends for, for quite some time. I agree with his thinking and his, his approach. Um, and, uh, and his very sensitive way of, of approaching people who are dysregulated. That, uh, you know, when you guys started getting into the volatile couple and uh, how he might work, um, I took some notes on that. I thought that was, uh, uh, there's some really interesting things there about having 
partners close their eyes and go inside mm. uh, uh, at the moment, at the apex of their dysregulation uh, or their fight. Mm. And, um, um, and, and so I really like that. I'm, I'm, I'm start applying that right away in telehealth mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, as a disruptor. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Was, uh, and then he, um, I was wondering how you could incorporate that into PACT because he goes from there, I believe, into sort of having the person turn to you and sort of, and then he sort of acts like a regulator, I think. Um, and so I, I don't know if that's different than the, how we would work, but, um, but I'm curious to hear like, you know, did you have any quick ideas about how you would, how you'd really make that a packed intervention? Was there anything or did it feel like a packed intervention? Well, the might, you know, I, I prefer that uh, I get the couple to uh, co-regulate, interactively regulate. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's, that's the, the natural, I think, thing to do. And it also, I think, is proper in terms of working as a third person dealing with a couple who basically lives day to day with each other, um, uh, that we want them to, to do this. And I want them to be able to co-regulate each other. I don't want to do better than any one partner at it. And so only under certain circumstances would I do that, would I, would I uh, externally regulate, if that's what you're talking about, one mm -hmm. partner. But I think to be able to use mindfulness, um, which is an essential element when dealing with trauma of any kind, whether it's complex PTSD, relational trauma, or just the small t trauma that's day-to-day -day life with partners, that, um, um, th that we incorporate mindfulness, slow everything down, and have people aware not only of their own bodies, but of their partner's bodies. Mm. Uh, it, it's essential, and the, the essential part of it is actually slowing everything down mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and focusing the mind on the body, on the self, on the other person's body, but especially first, the self, as a way of uh, creating a witness state. Mm -hmm. And that's what mindfulness really, I mean, mindfulness is, is like Rob said, is, is now a brand name that's that almost as meaningless. <laughs> um, but mindfulness is simply uh, paying attention and, uh, and, and um, inequanimity, right? It's focus and allowing, noticing and letting go, letting be, softening. Just, just those two things, that's the technology. Mm -hmm. And that that simple technology increases, you know, cortical thickness, uh, increases one's ability to self-regulate, uh, increases one's awareness of thought and feeling and sensation as it is without interpretation. And he spoke to that as well. Mm -hmm. you know, starting to look at what instead of why um, and be able to work with that with equanimity and allowing this. That's gorgeous. And that is exactly i think the way to work with uh with all couples um and particularly couples that are embattled mm -hmm. um it's the speed at which they're operating that uh, that uh, in itself is a problem because um well a variety of reasons there's no time to error correct mm -hmm. and there's no oxygen 
uh, to drive error correcting parts of the brain mm -hmm. and error rates just go sky high. So slowing everything down could not hurt. Mm. Yeah, something just clicked in my mind as you were talking, which is uh, helping couples to build a sense, an internal sense of their partner's bodies. Yeah. An internal sense. I mean, that, that's it's cool. Like that idea that, I, that, you know, that, that I would know what my partner's body is experiencing in, you know, I would get really good at that is really a cool idea. Yes. And it's actually happening. You're actually mapping the other person's body if you're paying attention. Mm -hmm. you're, you know, you're mapping yours and you're mapping your partner's body. And when we talk about being experts on each other and paying attention uh, as a way to break the wall that is automatic, the automatic brain, we also build a map of the other person's mind, which is mm -hmm. constantly changing, which we'll get to when we get to Edtronic and, and mother baby. Great. Great. Okay. And Rob says this thing, um, he says, Stan would agree with me. It's not about the content. It's not even about the roles. It's about attachment injuries and the physio physiological impact that go along with those injuries. Yeah. So do you agree with that? Yes. And we talk about attachment. We're really talking about one's memory or memories of depending on another person. And, uh, and if there's uh, any fear based on real, usually it's real, um, uh, prohibi prohibitions against either being autonomous or being dependent, then we build defensive structures that protect us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, there's just a few ideas I wanted to kind of run by you that really stuck out to me. Um, supporting defenses. He talks about really sort of helping helping the partners to support each other's defenses. Is that something that resonated with you in terms of how you work and, and, and how you want, you know, PACT to be, to be thinking about supporting defense? Yes. Um, he's, he, he's talking about more than bending metal, but bending metal is a, the therapist, a therapist technique of, of moving with the trending defense. So, the therapist is moving with the trending defense instead of opposing it. Um, and that has a, it tends to, to have a clarifying effect. But also, uh, in, in relationship with another person, knowing when to stand down, knowing when to move forward, knowing when to stay still, knowing when to limit words, knowing when a gesture and which gesture will do, goes a long way toward, uh, toward um, softening the, uh, the other person's uh, recognition of, of threat. And it's a hard thing to do, but it's a necessary thing. Otherwise, we can't escape from our own memory system, our own loops. We need another person to be able to do that. And hopefully, it's our, it's our closest relationship and not somebody we're simply paying for. Mm-hmm. But you'd think that like, you know, with memory systems that if I reminded you, hey, you're being a jerk right now, um, that that would be the way to go about, you know, getting into somebody else, you know, helping somebody to get out of their loop. But this is, Rob's actually saying like, support the part of them, not be, that's being a jerk, but support the part of the, the, the defense that's feeling like it really needs the airtime. It really needs to be heard. It really needs to be felt. Yes. 
he, he, what he's actually also talking, there's a lot of things that we could, you know, chunk this down into, Parsis. Um, the idea and the example he gave is this notion of, of a system acting and reacting to itself um, in, in a way limiting itself that amplifies memory, negative memory, and increases behavior that is threatening to the other person inadvertently. So to the degree that I don't allow you to speak your mind, uh, you are angrier, you are more volatile, you have more things to throw at me um, in a short amount of time. Um, because it's scary for me to let you do that, I frustrate that in you. There's a history of that being frustrated. It amplifies the injury or the threat or the fear in you and just makes it worse. So if I, if I succumbed, softened, allowed uh, this to happen, my own fears, oh, if I let this happen, it'll, it'll get out of hand and I'll die, um, are, are usually uh, the opposite. The other person, ju I just wanted to know I could do this. I just wanted to know I, uh, that you would allow it. I just wanted to know that you'd be okay if I said, I, 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 want, you, I want to be alone and I want you to leave the house for about you know, six hours. I need my time alone. I just want to know mm -hmm. you, that you wouldn't be hurt because my experience is that everybody gets hurt by that. I end up feeling ashamed and guilty and wrong. I don't really need to do it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, I know that from my own relationship. I know that as soon as, as soon as like Jen gets out of the way of my, you know, saying, I got to do it this way, I got to do it this way. And then just sort of lets me sort of spin in my, you know, I, I just begin to sort of go, Oh, wait a minute. Well, maybe it doesn't make much sense to pack up the whole family and go on vacation right the second, you know I mean? Like maybe, yes. maybe something. So I can, I totally know how it, uh, how that, I feel that energy shift when, when you, when you, can't blame the other person for getting yes. in your way. And, 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 you know, there's a toddler in me uh, often that needs to say no to Tracy and she understands that. And, and she knows that after she says, okay, I'll say, oh, yeah, okay. Well, I'd like to do it. Um, but there's just that reflex, that impulse, um, uh, you know, so uh, we're, we're, this is tremendously helpful to have a partner that understands and isn't activated by these these irritating little uh, idiosyncrasies, mm -hmm. hold holdovers from childhood. Yeah, yeah. Um, Rob talks about the information from the body um, being really high quality, and that you can't sanitize it. Can't sanitize it like you do words. Uh, I really like the idea, especially the high quality, that, that what's coming out of the body is high quality. Right. And I would think that you would resonate with that quite a bit. What did you, Absolutely. What did you think? Words lie. The body, as, as Rob says, doesn't. Mm -hmm. uh, and th there are ways that somebody could fool you. They'd have to be expert at it. Uh, and, and then you're dealing with a different kind of person anyway. But, but uh, for most of us, our body will show uh, uh, if we're thinking or feeling something, uh, we may not know the target or the source of it, but we know it happened. Whereas uh, the voice can mislead, deflect, 
um, can uh, confabulate, right? I mean, the words can confabulate. Uh, and, and a lot of that has to do with the flow of information in the brain, it has to do with the body is immediate. Uh, you know, there's upward and downward projections from the right hemisphere into the body. And so you see an immediate reaction that is unfiltered. Person can't control it because it's a reflex. Whereas, uh, whereas thought, cognition, and particularly language, goes through all these different filters, all these different editors, um, and what you end up getting, the, the person themselves also is something that isn't exactly what is felt uh, immediately. It is homogenized, adjusted, uh, changed, altered in some way. So, even if people are trying to be forthcoming, they can't be fully in the same way that the body will immediately show. And the beauty of that is that it's a reliable indicator. It repeats and repeats every time you apply the stimulus. Mm. So that's pretty nifty. Mm. Mm -hmm. That is nifty. I also think the idea is nifty that, that we don't even, you know, that I can think in my mind I'm trying to be open to this, or I'm, I'm available for this, um, or I'm trying to be collaborative here. Um, but our bodies, without us even really knowing it, can give us away. Yes. Now, here's the problem, though. Um, we're, human beings are not natural lie detectors. So we've got to really be careful because just, be, just because the body gives us away, um, an observer doesn't know exactly what it is that was just given away mm. and the the tendency to project onto these micro movements micro expressions these changes shifts that had that occur visibly right Aud audibly um or that are felt are i think reliable in terms of the experience from the outside but that's as far as it goes mm. any interpretation is thoroughly made up <laughs> by the person who's experiencing it. And that's where the, we have to be cautious. Mm -hmm. What do you do about that? What, what, how do you inquire? Inquire. Yeah. Somatic cues are just there to make you, uh, make a therapist curious and, and to, uh, to be an indicator for, for uh, further follow up and inquiry investigation um, because we don't really know what it is um, it, it, we can't but we can start to find out what it is especially things that repeat over and over again because uh, those are called tells right hmm. but um, but most of the time we're noticing shifts and changes we know something happened we know that somebody was using a part of the brain that is known to take up a lot of resources interfere with motor movement and those areas are usually involved in making stuff up so we know that something happened along that lines but we don't know what or why and and that's where the inquiry mm. but it's mm -hmm. a it's a dangerous thing just like words are because we mostly misunderstand each other to also go too far in working with somatic cues by, uh, by making appraisals without first investigating. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Great. Are there other points you wanted to hit on the, on the, the people should be listening for on the oh, Rob God, Fisher interview? There's so many things. The poem was lovely. God, I'd love him. Love him and his wife. It's so generous. Um, like they, could you believe like it packed 50 things into that interview? Um, yes, uh, uh, absolutely. Mindfulness, golden retriever consciousness. Um, uh, he's talking about curiosity, which we'll also get into with uh, with Ed uh, Tronic and um, Claudia uh-huh. and Claudia. But curiosity uh, is is a big deal in uh, in self knowledge and knowledge of others. In basically in in human complexity, without curiosity, there isn't any. And so, quite uh, accurately, uh, mindfulness is a uh, is a, a project of curiosity, of watching. Of 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 just being, of not fighting, of not trying to change things, of acceptance, mm-hmm. of being able to work with what is, and and uh, and also work with what we wish it would be, disappointment. Um, but that also goes to the curiosity in our partner and the mindfulness, right? Uh, you know, who who am I really with, as opposed to who would, who do I want them to be? Mm-hmm. Um, what do I wish them to do? Um, that they're not doing. In other words, um, another person like weather, you can't really control it. Um, you can be angry, but you, but that doesn't do anything. So the curiosity factor, I, I really love. I didn't never thought of it as a golden retriever that sheds. Um, <laughs> I don't know if he said sheds. I know I am saying that. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, um, the nonviolence, not harming, safe container. Uh, this is true. I think the therapist uh, has to really uh, uh, supply that safe container, um, and and that container includes the the couple of each partner's agreement to be in the container. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, nobody's nobody's safe. So that also, I think, has to be added in terms of therapeutic alliance. Um, uh, I, he said something that 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 uh, <laughs> that was kind of a, a veiled, I think, a veiled criticism. Um, volatile couples. I um, said, Stan, I stands more tolerant. I'm paraphrasing. Stan's more tolerant than I. Um, but then he said, you know, kind of implying that I let him go on too long. Um, there's some truth to that, and uh, and there's some truth to to letting people go on too long, uh, and uh, but there's also benefit in allowing people to to go on long enough so we can actually see what's going on and not interfere before we know before we see them go through everything and know how they're going to land. And for that, mm-hmm. it takes some patience and tolerance to just watch and observe before we act because we don't know what we're acting upon. Um, so there's a, there is a, a tension here between how long to let somebody repeat things uh, and when to intervene. But I really like what he said about, um, uh, about using distraction, uh, which is something we do in PACT. Uh, mm. You know, we may call them spacers or, you know, therapists sort of being attention deficit, but um, it's not as it's not as uh, silly as oh look at that. Um, but he gave a wonderful story that ended up in laughter, and the therapist as regulator, master regulator, uses um, um, shifting attention as a mm-hmm. trick. 
as a regulation trick by shifting topics, shifting eyes, where eyes are going, shifting body movements. And just, uh, I know we have to go, but one other thing just to build on something that Rob said, so much of this really is about state, mm -hmm. right? Our mental, uh, our mental state, our emotional, physical state is affecting our memory and, and is changing, altering our perception all the time. And so, so much of working with couples and having them work with each other is teaching them how to shift each other's state rapidly. And there are a lot of tricks. One of them is to change positions, physical positions. Do, I mean, th these are very simple things. Mm -hmm. change, your, change your position, you change your state. Move each other to the couch, continue the fight. It's different. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, let's talk in the bathtub while we're filling up the, the tub. Changes everything. Um, right. So these are little tricks that, that if understood, get, keep people out of the personal and into the we're animals and that we're locked in a state here and the state is is uh is reanimating memory and then this memory pattern uh gets um uh, uh incorporated with the other persons and now we're stuck in a loop right we're in a trance and to get out of that trance is can be just like that mm -hmm, just like that mm -hmm. if the other person knows exactly what to do that is silly stupid completely unexpected friendly like shifting positions, like getting on the floor, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. like or like filling up, or like getting you know taking your clothes off in the middle of the fight. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? I don't know. I just thought it would be uh, you know it's a little hot in here. Uh -huh. I mean, it's so ridiculous that that it it just it snaps you. It snaps everybody out of the of this circuit, this this tightly fused circuit. Um, that is activated almost exclusively because once the amygdala has a hold, it takes up all the bandwidth. Mm. And when you when you do something to break that circuit, it's broken and people come back and they can think. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right? Great. You know, I, I love what he said. It's hard to argue with your eyes closed. Yeah. It's hard <laughs> to argue. Whisper to each other. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. Fight now, but whisper. Um, one of our therapists said, um, I want you guys to sing your fight right now. Uh-huh. That's great. Now you have to have a couple that's going to cooperate to do that. Right. Right. Otherwise go, what? Okay. Okay. So, uh, I think, I think we've done, done it. Let's, um, take a listen to the Rob Fisher interview and, um, and we appreciate you being here today. Thanks, Thank Dan. Thank you so much, Jason.